Um, so I wanted, this is, a, this is kind of an odd sermon, I would say. The, the source of abundant life, as you can see there, that's the, I don't like doing titles, Pastor Chris asked me, so that's the title. You'll, you'll see why, it makes sense, but it's an odd, uh, it's an odd topic, it's an odd thing, because I, I hear this phrase be used a lot, and I hear it linked to the words of Jesus, and so it's like, well, if Jesus said it, we should know what it means, and we should make sure that we are, uh, we are applying it correctly in, in our lives. Um, or we are understanding it first and then, um, then, uh, then applying it. And so uh, I did what any scholar does when you're researching a topic, and I open up YouTube, and I type in the term <laughs> abundant life into YouTube, okay? So on YouTube, uh, the search results come up, and there's, you know, you know how YouTube works. You can scroll and scroll and scroll. You can find anything you want. The, the top result that came up when I searched it, when I searched abundant life, was an hour-long video that had 22 million views. So this is a topic that people are searching for. They want an abundant life. They want, you know, the, the things in their life to be given to them abundantly. And this hour-long video with 22 million views is a self, self-help video with I am affirmations that promise a new you in only 21 days. And if you take an hour... And you say all of these things, I am strong, I am beautiful, I am bold, I am wonderful, I am great. I'm not, I'm not trying to bash these things, but is this what it means to have abundant life? To say these things, looking at yourself in the mirror, taking an hour of your day to do these things. Is, is that what this means? The affirmations they're looking for, you know, it's health, wealth, happiness, just a general abundance in their life. So I'll keep scrolling. Scroll a few more down, and then I found one that had, it was a three and a half hour long video. This one only had 6.4 million views. What is that? And it's a video with these swirling atmospheric, you know, soundscape. It's beautiful to work to, I guess. And, and it claims that it's playing 888 hertz, 88 hertz, and 8 hertz. I guess something in the eights is, you know, important when it comes to being blessed with infinite abundance. That's what this video promises. But the weird thing is, mixed into all these search results are also songs and sermons from churches about this same term, abundant life. So who, who's, who's right here? What are we talking about when, when we use this term, abundant life? That phrase, abundant life, I hear it used by Christians a lot, but what exactly does it mean? Is it even found in the Bible? For a while, I believed that cleanliness was next to godliness, that's not in the Bible, okay? It took me a while to learn that, but uh, th- is this in the Bible? And does it mean what people think it means? So tonight, I plan for us to take a biblical look at that term, abundant life, and make sure that we're understanding it and then applying it correctly in our own lives. So tonight, I want to start by reading part of John chapter 10. We'll, we'll read the majority of it, but we'll read what's relevant to this. So John chapter 10, verses 1 to 18, it'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. This is Jesus speaking, red letters. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. 
They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Verse 7, Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Makes it really clear for us. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. There it is. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. Says it again. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. All right, so that's it. That's where it's found. It's in the middle of there. If you weren't paying attention, if you sort of dozed off, smelling the burgers, it was right in the middle, in verse 10 there, when Jesus says, um, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so they may have life and have it in abundance. If you were to read that, pull it out of context, just read that verse, oh, beautiful. Jesus is here so that I would have abundant life. But is that exactly what this is talking about? What was Jesus saying? When he, when he talks about, when he mentions that word or that phrase, abundant life. Jesus was painting this mental image here with these verses. He describes the people that he came to help. That's the sheep that he's referring to. He's very clear in all this, right? It doesn't take a, a scholar to, to understand what Jesus is talking about. He tells us what he's talking about. And, he, and this explains this, this safe area where food, there's water, there's an area available for the sheep. And then there's the area outside of the walled-off area. Outside of the walled-off area, there are dangers like thieves or wolves is meant, are mentioned. Things like that. Things that you, wouldn't, you would want to avoid because they harm the sheep. And the point that Jesus is making is that he is the gate. And just in case you missed it, he said it again. He's the gate between the area of safety and abundant life and the area of danger and death on the outside. I, I love this when Jesus says this. You know, the, the sheep can come in, they can go out. He's not locking them in. He's certainly not locking them out. He, he, he gives them free will to choose as they, will, as they wish. The door is open, but the sheep need to want to come into the door. They need to want to come in to find the care, the protection, and ultimately the life that is available to them. I mean, 
when, when, you, when you read it like that, you go, well, of course, who wouldn't walk in the gate? Danger and death on the outside, abundant life on the inside. Yeah, yeah, of course I would want that. But what if being on the outside of the gate is kind of nice too? There's grass there too. It also grows there. There's, right? It's, well, why go in there when I could just stay out here? What if they're not recognizing the danger around them? And so this mental image that Jesus is painting, we are the sheep, okay? And something that we need to keep in mind is that there's an enemy that is actively trying to steal and destroy your abundant life with Jesus. The thief is, a, is strategic and the thief is crafty. He's willing to hop over a back wall somewhere try to blend in with the sheep around him so that the sheep are comfortable and they're not startled or spooked. He'll do anything he needs to in order to take advantage of, of you, sorry, and to harm you. And remember, Jesus is talking with these sheep because the sheep are us. And so the, the thief, this robber that's going to come in, this is, meant, this is an indication of it's going to affect our relationship with God. The thief will come in. He will do his best to steer your eyes away, to pull you away. And we're given instruction throughout the Bible what we're supposed to do to protect ourselves from this thief. The thief will try to attack Christians to sabotage a full and abundant life with Jesus. But we don't need to live in fear. We don't always have to be checking our corner or checking our, checking our back. We're looking around the corner with every turn. <laughs> we just need to resist him. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. You're familiar with these verses, I'm sure. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So basically, the closer that we are to God, the easier it is, or the more easy it becomes, to resist the enemy, the thief, the robber. Uh, for, for some of you, this is farther away. It's, it's shocking to me now. I'm going to talk about high school, but it's shocking to me now that I've been out of high school much longer than the time that I was, like I'm farther from high school now than, it, I feel like it was just a couple years ago, but it's getting farther and farther away. <laughs> in grade 10 though, when I was in grade 10, I did not do so well in school. Um, grade 10 math in particular, my grade was like in the low 20s. Um, so when I graduated, or when I graduated, when I completed the course um my mark was so low they wouldn't even let me go to summer school to complete the course like I think you had to have a 35 and I was far from that the reason for this was I only sometimes attended the class okay it was it was on me and on the occasions that I was there I wasn't paying attention I wasn't listening I was I was simply in attendance and my mark to be fair my mark reflected the work that I did okay it, it absolutely did so I didn't pass, didn't, couldn't go to summer school, so I had to wait till a few years later in grade 12 when I had a spare, or what should have been a spare, to take that grade 10 course again. Uh, and so I took grade 10 math when I was in grade 12. But what that meant was none of my friends were in my class, no one to distract me, no one really to, to even talk to. So I didn't have those same distractions that I had when I was in grade 10 doing grade 10 math. Because I didn't really have many friends, I didn't really have anyone to sit with, I just, the, the seat that was available was closest to the teacher up near the front. But the thing was, 
It was, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. When I sat at the front, when I actually paid attention, I did really, really well. I finished with like high 90, or no, low 90s, low 90s in that class. Like, I did great. I understood it. The formulas like made, I'm like, oh, I get it. The formula tells me how to do, oh, I get what math is now. <laughs> it got so much easier. When I submitted myself to the schoolwork, and when I put my attention on the teacher and what they were saying, I didn't even have to worry about failing the course. It was a no-brainer. I was going to pass. I passed with, the, with low 90s, like I said. The promise of God's word is that the enemy will flee when we resist him. Resisting temptation is difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to stand up and say, I am so good. Ever since I've become a pastor, I am so good at fleeing from temptation. It's difficult. And resisting the temptation to sit and talk with my friends through that class was difficult to avoid. But it became easier to avoid when I was close to the teacher, when I was applying myself, when I was using the things that the teacher was teaching me in my own life. It, it, the, the, it was easier to avoid those distractions. I think you can see where I'm going with this. In the same way, the temptation that feels impossible to avoid is made easier the closer we are to God. And so if I was Pastor Don and I I did sermon points and all that, this would be a good one to write down. Stay close to God, right? Point number one, as he would say. So so if if that's where the phrase comes from, verse 10, John chapter 10, and it mentions abundant life, Jesus is the, the gate, and we are the sheep, and we enter into the gate that he, that he opens for us, and we can have abundant life. Well, what does it mean to have abundant life? I'm, I'm not actually a sheep, right? I don't really care to eat grass uh, or drink of the water or do the, the sheep-like things. Life in abundance means more than you could ever see, more than you could ever hear, more than you could ever imagine. Uh, I get this from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived. God has prepared these things for those who love him. It's an incredible promise. The plans that God has for us, it's beyond our imagination. It's like writing a check for a million dollars to pay for a piece of candy. It's way above what's necessary. On the other hand, the world offers cheap, substitute, you know, temporary pleasures. And they usually end with guilt and shame. For sure, every desire and craving of the world, or every desire and craving that the world offers will eventually pass away. It's going to happen. But these glorious riches that are beyond our ability to comprehend, they will last for all of eternity. And Jesus is the gate that we need to go through to receive them. Here's the thing. We need to be careful who we're listening to and what they're saying about this abundant life that Jesus wants to give you. And I think this is why I was attracted to this verse or to this idea, because there's people out there, I'm sure you've heard them speak, I'm sure you've heard their message, who will try to tell you that if you're not healthy or if you're not wealthy, then you're not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus provides. And chances are pretty high that the reason they would give you is because you're not giving enough money to them. I mean, God. Jesus absolutely wants to give you abundant life. Please do not hear me incorrectly, okay? 
But the life that he's talking about isn't necessarily a few extra zeros in your bank account. The glorious riches, the ones that are beyond our ability to comprehend, these are, these are riches. This is an abundant life that will last for all eternity. And they will be given to those who know his voice. They will be given to those who go in, open, go in the open gate. They will be given to those who follow him. The abundant life that Jesus is talking about is eternal life with him forever. So that's what this abundant life is. And to be clear, Jesus is the source of that abundant life. He's the one who opens the gate for us to receive it. All we need to do is make three easy payments of, no wait, <laughs> that's not how this works. That's not how this works. This is not like one of those as, as seen on TV infomercials. You know the ones I'm talking about? Where they give you your, the best sales pitch they've got. They'll go on and on and on about everything this product can do. The last thing they will ever tell you is the price. They want to wow you. They want to impress you. They want you to call the number on the screen. And then at the very end, they're like, oh, we've got to tell them the price. So, okay, uh, all right, here's the price. And you think to yourself, they want how much for that? And right before you're about to change the channel, they surprise you and tell you, well, actually, that price is for two of them. And now you're like, I better call that number. I can't, pass, I can't let this offer pass, up and pass me by, right? These are how these infomercials work. Here's the thing. When it comes to the abundant life that Jesus is talking about, unlike in those ads, I'm not trying to fool you. I'm not trying to pull a fast one. The truth is, it was costly. How much did it cost? Well, the abundant life came by one specific act. The good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. This abundant life that's available, it comes at a cost. It came with a cost. The reward is free. The reward is available to us. But it must mean adjusting the way that we live our lives. It means completely surrendering to follow Jesus. Look how Paul puts it. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Again, you, you know these, this verse. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Everybody wants abundance. Everyone desires abundance. I mean, it's clear. When you search for, for that term, 22 million views, 6 point whatever million views. But when they think of abundance, they, they think of money, abundant money, abundant time, freedom, love, blessings. But very few people are prepared to lay down their lives for those things. I, I want them, but no strings attached. I don't want to have to do anything for them. I, I just want them. If we want to walk in the resurrection life that Jesus offers, we must be willing to surrender to Christ and let Christ live in us. And until you are able to live your life in surrender, accepting that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, you won't know this, this true abundance. The key to abundant life 
that Jesus has to offer is found in surrendering. Surrender your life to Jesus and walk in the fullness of his plan for your life. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24 says this, Then he said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him or her do whatever they want. And, oh, no, no, that's not what it says. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. If you want to have abundant and eternal life with Jesus, that is exactly how to have it. There's a big difference between believing in God, going to church, doing good things, and giving your life in surrender to Jesus Christ. There's a big difference between those things. This is an area that I believe most Christians have room to grow in. It's true for me, it's probably true for you. In our lives, we're taught to work for the things that we want, right? We are told if we want something, just get out there and make it happen. Or, like 22 million people, they are told to, or no, is that the right one? Yeah, 22 million people, they're told to say these I am affirmations and it will happen in 21 days. We don't often talk about surrendering things up. That's a foreign concept these days. If you try to live your own life and just simply incorporate Jesus into it, you will never know abundant life. Just like there's more to being a Christian than simply going to church or or doing good things, there's more to being a Christian than getting to heaven when you die. We've led so many people astray to believe that this is simply about saying a magical sentence so that when you die, you go to heaven. You miss out on abundant life. If that's what we're teaching our kids, then what do we do once, we've, once they've made the decision to follow Christ? Well, then we, we teach them to follow Jesus, right? But then what happens when we're teaching them to follow Jesus and they're looking around at Christians all around them who are scratching and clawing and, and climbing that corporate ladder and doing everything they can for me? Sacrifice? What's that? Laying down? What? I want more, 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 more. Me, me, me. Can you see how confusing it would be for them to see that happening all around them? But then read Jesus saying, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. If we're just simply squeezing Jesus into the cracks of our lives, think of the example that we're setting for future generations. I have to do this, okay? I speak to future generations. I love the next generation. Let's be real, the current generation of our church. Look at the worship team. At nights, at least, it's, it's half young people, you might say. Think of the examples that we're setting for them. If we're simply just squeezing Jesus into the cracks, what are they going to grow up and do? The abundant life that Jesus provides is available. The gate is open, but we need to choose to go into it. But even when we choose to go into it, we need to be sure we hear the voice of our shepherd, the good shepherd. We need to listen to and do the things that he says. 
The difference when I was in grade 10 math, the difference between a good grade and a bad grade was listening to and doing what the teacher was teaching me. I believe the abundant life that Jesus talked about begins before we go to heaven. I believe the abundant life begins when we live the way that Paul described. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When you follow his voice, when you die to yourself, when you pick up your cross and choose to follow him, no matter the cost, make Jesus Lord of your life. Make him the boss of your life. Know what he did and said and follow him. Choose to walk through the gate and receive his abundant life.